So uh, back in 2014, a pretty popular movie came out called Along Came Polly. Uh, pretty funny. A guy named Ben Stiller is in it. Jennifer Aniston's in it. Ben Stiller's kind of funny. Jennifer Aniston's kind of the star of the 90s, early 2000s with the friends and all that stuff. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, the basic plot of this movie is Ben Stiller plays um, a risk analyst for an insurance company, and his job is to go out and evaluate people and organizations to determine if they're a safe bet for the insurance company to cover. Jennifer Aniston plays this kind of free spirit, kind of do whatever, go wherever, go with the flow kind of a thing. And they end up meeting and they start dating. And over the course of the movie, it gets more and more serious. Uh, but as it gets towards the end, she discovers uh, that he has this program on his computer where he plugs in uh, data, names, contacts, all kinds of stuff, and the computer program spits out whether or not the person is worth the risk or not, kind of a pros and cons list. But she discovers that he has been using this program to compare her with his ex-wife. Which one is worth it? Which one is more risky? Which one is the safe bet? Which one should I settle for? Uh, and it plays out exactly as you might expect. We have a clip. Check it out to kind of see how this whole thing plays out. Okay, you know what? I can I can explain this, Polly. I mean, what? No, it's fascinating. I'm actually I just I learned a lot about myself. I've learned that I have no career. I'm flaky. I, I like ethnic food. Polly, would you let me explain uh -huh. this? Lisa came back, and I and I and I, you know, I've been trying to figure things out. What are you figuring out, Ruben? Just about us and our and our future. Future? What are you talking about? What future, Ruben? Come on, this is a flame. You know, come on. What did you think we were gonna get married? I was gonna ask you to move in with me first. Oh my god, you expect me to move to the suburbs with you? What are you insane? Wow. Why is that so crazy? God. People do that all the time. They have kids, they, they, they make plans, they get married, they yeah. buy houses. No, you know what though? That's you, Ruben. You do that, right? You, that's what you do. I don't live my life that way. Is your lack of a plan that different than my plan? I don't, I don't have a plan. Yes, you do. You're on the non-plan plan. I am not on a non-plan plan. You are too. I've never met anybody more afraid of committing to anything. I mean, you were a senior delegate at the Model UN, Polly. What happened to you? What? I've been living my life, okay? I've been in good relationships, and I've been in, I've moved a lot, and I've been happy, and I've been sad, and I've been lonely, and that's what I've been doing, which is a lot more than I can say for some freak who thinks he's gonna get the Ebola virus from Ebola mixed nuts. Those nuts have pee on them! It's common sense! Oh, trust me, that is so far beyond common sense, Ruben. <laughs> You don't understand what I grew up with. I had a mother who made me afraid of everything. Okay, well, big deal, Ruben. My dad had a whole second family. What? Yeah, on Long Island. A wife and kids and a golden retriever. A second family? Whatever. Hey, you know what? I'm uh, glad I saw that. Polly. Because you know what? I'm going to make this really uh, easy for you, Ruben. I have, um, I have no interest in getting married and move into the suburbs. And obviously that's something that's really important to you. And so here's what I think your new plan should be. I think you should get back together with Lisa, move into your house, and move on with your life. And, and, uh, and I think you guys will be really happy together. 
So over the course of the movie, you discover that she really does like him. She is falling in love with him. But what she discovers at the end is that for him, if she checked the right boxes, if her characteristics fit his plan, if her present meshed with his future, then maybe it could work out long term. But that's not what she wanted here. That's not what she wanted to experience for her. And rightly so, she wanted their present. She wanted their future to be something more than just academic. His approach to their relationship, unfortunately, is how so often we approach our relationship with Jesus, very academic. It's so much about checking boxes, doing the right things, saying the right things, looking the right way. And we elevate and diminish and pursue different things depending on how it fits our risk-reward from moment to moment. But her response, in general, is exactly how Jesus feels about us. He wants more. He has more. And as we jump into today's passage, if you haven't been with us, we've been in a series called Terminal, and and just looking at some of the last things that Jesus says on his way to the cross, he knows that he's going to die, and as is so often the case, when that happens, we start having conversations that we wouldn't normally have. We start saying things and leaving things behind for those who were leaving, things they need to know, people they need to connect with, and we've done that over the last four or five weeks, and today's passage, in my opinion, is the pinnacle of the conversation that they're having. And this passage um, is one that I love to go back to. It's, it's kind of a, a bipolar thing because I'm energized by it. I get excited about it because of all that's possible if we'll simply submit to Jesus in the way that he talks about in this passage. But at the same time, it's frustrating because it's the exact opposite of what we usually do. It's the exact opposite of what you see even among good Christian church people and the things that we run to and the things that we prioritize. And so keep all those things in mind as we're, we're going to go to John 15 today. And it's Jesus continuing with the conversation where he's been talking about how he's the way, truth, and life, and there's a place that he's going to go prepare for them, and when he's gone, they can rely on the Holy Spirit, and he's going to do uh, what they need him to do. And so uh, all that leads into John 15, starting in verse 1. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So a couple things to clarify there as we jump into this passage. First, Jesus referring to himself as the vine. This is very significant. So what they're doing, most of this conversation is happening in the upper room as a part of uh, there's the Last Supper, and they engage in this farewell discourse with Jesus. And so at this point, I can picture them. They're moving from the upper room through the city, out towards the Garden of Olives, where Jesus would spend time in prayer. Um, He would sweat blood because of how stressed he was about what was happening in his life. And then, ultimately, Judas would show up with the soldiers, and he would be arrested. And so they're moving this way, and they're probably passing other gardens, passing vineyards. And Jesus says, hey, I'm the vine. I'm the vineyard. And what he's doing is making a huge shift, because for all of Israel's history, God had referred to the nation of Israel as a vine, as a vineyard. You can look at uh, Isaiah 5, Psalm 80. God refers to Israel in that way. And so God, seeing them as the vine, as the vineyard, he wanted them to bear fruit. He wanted them 
to reveal his love and his plan and his character to the world. Now, he often had to rebuke them for failing to live up to that role. But basically, the plan was, ultimately, people would all be drawn into a relationship with God through the nation of Israel. But now a shift is happening. Jesus signals this shift and says, hey, now there's one way, and it's me. Now there's one shepherd, and it's me. Now it is not through a nation of Israel. Now I am the vine. And now all people from all demographics and all nations and all contexts will come into a relationship with God through Jesus. He is a new vine for a new covenant. Another thing we got to hit is verse 6, just to clarify. Anytime we see language where things are being cut off and thrown into the fire, church people automatically start thinking hell. Now, there are some places, plenty of places in the scripture that are referring to that, but this particular passage isn't that, because Jesus is saying, hey, you're... He said, you're already clean. I've spoken the truth to you. You've accepted that truth. So he's talking to his followers here. So he's not saying, if you screw up, you're out and you're on your way to hell. He's basically sticking with the theme of a vine and a vineyard and what the purpose of that is. The purpose is to bear fruit, right? And if you're the owner of the vineyard, what what are you trying to do? You're, You're trying to grow a vineyard. You're trying to grow a product. You're trying to make money off this by selling the fruit, the juice, the wine, all of the things that come from that. And so if a vine itself or a branch of that vine isn't fulfilling its purpose, it's kind of unnecessary, right? Just kind of existing. There's no point to it. And it's so severe that if it was a vineyard, you'd get rid of those branches. So Jesus is simply saying, hey, if you're not fulfilling your purpose in me, I don't have much use for you here on this planet. Okay, so it's not a heaven and hell thing. Um, So let's continue on into verse 7 of chapter 15. He continues with the thought and says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This will be to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that, your joy, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So what Jesus is trying to say through this section is, hey, even though I'm leaving physically, right, flesh and blood, even though I'm leaving physically, there's still a call, there's still a command to continue this relationship, to maintain that connection, to continue having conversations. All of the things that they'd experience with Jesus in the flesh, he's saying, that needs to continue even when I'm gone. Now, that seems odd, but If you missed last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit and how there's this connection between Jesus' flesh and blood and this unseen yet real God, and they're united by the Holy Spirit. And those of us as believers are united in Christ the same way. The Holy Spirit makes that possible. So Jesus is doubling down and saying, hey, I'm going to be gone, but we need to stay friends. We need to stay connected. We need to keep having conversations even in the midst of that. And so the major message here, the message with the pruning and the remaining in the vine and all these different things, what he's trying to say is he wants more for you. He has more for you. And if you're disconnected, it's impossible. But if you stay connected with him, anything is possible. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. The word literally means not one Thing. And so what we find out is that apart from Jesus, apart from his Holy Spirit working in your life, apart from Jesus, you can't find Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we can't obey and follow and serve Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we have nothing and can accomplish 
nothing, especially anything of eternal value. Go to Romans chapter 3, and it's even more harsh than this passage, saying, hey, there is no one righteous. There is no one good. There is no one who seeks God. And so apart from God's influence in our lives, we will not, we will not default to searching for him and following him and obeying, for him, obeying him. And so we have to stay connected to Jesus. Because if we try to check the boxes, if we try to just do the right things and say the right things and wear the right things and show up to the right places at the right time, we are not capable of checking the boxes that we want to check without staying connected to Jesus. And so the main thing that we're being called to is a relationship, an experience. There's, uh, I love the way that one author put it. He said, Christianity is not simply about believing the right things, though this is important. Nor is it simply a matter of living a Christ-like life, though this is important too. Christian experience must have a mystical, spiritual, non-quantifiable dimension. To be a disciple means having the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in us. It means having a supernatural, interior experience that is completely unlike anything available in this world. It is a way of believing and and a way of living, but these are nurtured by the life-giving connection with Jesus Christ. It is a spiritual experience that authenticates religious truth in our world, and this is precisely what Jesus is describing. Now, some of you are like me, and this is hard to do, right? This is hard for many of us if, if, if we're very logical uh, our decisions are based on rationale, in, in many ways a head-based faith. And for some of us, especially if you're like me, the heart and the emotions get to come along for the ride just because that's the rule, right? You have to feel things every once in a while. <laughs> but you see the clip from Along Came Polly. How loved would you feel? How connected would you feel if you discovered that someone chose you, someone decided to marry you, stay connected to you because it made good sense? You discovered that they love you and they stayed with you and they married you because you were the lesser of two evils. They weighed some pros and cons like, eh, this one's a little more risky, so I'm going to stick with this one, right? How would you feel about that? How, what, if it, what if you discovered that your marriage, your relationship, your friendship was because it was financially prudent for them to be connected with you? Maybe you discovered that for them, someone said, hey, you got to poop or get off the pot. It's now or never. And they said, all right, I guess we better get married, right? How, that's not what you're looking for. That's not what anybody's looking for. Maybe, some of you have even discovered this, that maybe you married someone and they loved you 10 or 20 years ago, but they've made zero investment since then. And now we're just playing it out till somebody dies, right? That's not love. That's not intimacy. That's checking boxes enough to make it work. We want more. At least you should want more, right? And our relationship with God is the exact same way. It is more. He wants it to be more. He's offering you more. It must be more. And yet, the ball is in our court as to whether we experience more or not whether we experience more than showing up where we're supposed to show up on Sunday morning, knowing the songs on Sunday morning, doing what we need to do, right? Checking the boxes, talking right. It's got to be more, but the ball is in our court. So if it was August, I'd have a rose bush, but your options are limited uh, when it's February and zero degrees. So we've got some good friends. We've got a family in the church, the Prelips, who own a... um, a uh, greenhouse here in town, and so they let us borrow this lemon tree 
So if it was in, uh, in season, we'd get lemons from this tree, which is fantastic. Um, but let's say uh, that I said you were this branch of the lemon tree here. This is you. And I said, hey, you, you, you need to make sure that this branch is healthy, and so this tree needs to be good. You, you need to bear fruit. You need the leaves to stay on. You need everything to be good. And so I, if I said, hey, how, how do you need this thing to stay healthy? You'd give me the, the correct list of everything, right? If I, if I gave you five fill-in-the-blanks, you'd get them all right because you'd say you got to water it, got to fertilize it, give it some food, right? you got to prune it every once in a while, make sure it gets a good balance of sunlight and shade, Make sure it's in the ideal climate, right? This one is, this tree is actually owned by someone who is not associated with the greenhouse, but they didn't have a good place to store it for the winter time, so they, they have it at the greenhouse so it can continue to do its thing uh, even through the winter. So those are all good things, all things that we would all say, all that we would do. I'll even add to your list, and, and we've got some green thumbs in the room, I know, and so you've probably got some ideas of how we can have this thing flourish and, and bear fruit and all that stuff. But did you know you can, you can chop up banana peels, sprinkle it around the base of your rose bush or your lemon tree or your favorite plant. Maybe some alfalfa and eggshells, coffee grounds. Basically, you're just, you're just making a mini um, compost pile, that kind of a thing. Uh, regular pruning and inspections. You can put two or three inches of mulch around the base of it. That'll help make sure it has good soil with, with good drainage. Do some insect control. You can make sure it's got good genetics, right? Good Good family tree for your tree. Hello, Fieldstone Mission, right? Got to work that in there every once in a while. Um, and, and all those things. Did you know that when it comes to your plant or your tree, you can actually, you can play classical music for it and your plant will respond well. And you can talk to it in an encouraging way. You can, you can say nice things to your plant, tell it you love it, kind of kiss on it a little bit. Don't get weird, it's just a tree, okay? We're not gonna, not gonna take this too far. But all these different things is this long list of things. And so if I said, hey, do you agree with that list? a good list. You feel like that's an exhaustive list. I think we'd all agree that's a pretty exhaustive list of how to take care of a plant, how to take care of a tree. And you'd say, that's an excellent list. And so I'd say, all right, let's take your branch. And I said, take your list, John. And I said, good luck to you. There's your branch. Take your branch, take your list. John, you remember the list, alpha, eggshells, right, little mulch, water that sucker, whisper sweet nothings into its ear, and your branch is good. And this is where we reach the duh part of the, of the illustration, right? We've said all the things that that branch needs. So what's the problem? The problem is that the simple thing, the obvious thing, is the main thing and the only thing, that branch has to stay connected to that tree or it's all pointless. You can check every box. You can do everything on the list exactly as you're supposed to do it. But that branch disconnected from that tree is going to die. And it's worthless to the owner of that tree. The leaves will fall off. It will bear no fruit. The branch has to stay connected to the tree. Once again, John 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. We already know him, right? We, we've accepted the truth, because the word I have spoken to you, so remain in me, 
as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You are the branch. Jesus is the tree. Jesus is the vine. But what else is happening here? Right? There's, there's an interplay of relationships. You can see in verses 9 through 11 there where Jesus says, I'm, I'm the son, I'm the plant, and I'm being fed and loved and nurtured by God the Father. And through that, I am an outpouring of love and care and nurture for you. So remain in my love. And it, and it becomes a one-item list. Remain in me. Stay connected to me. Lean into me. So many things that we would put on the list that he didn't put on the list. And what we find ourselves here is, is we're in a series of one-item lists, basically, right? We go back to week one, Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to be gone. You're going to have moments. You're just not even sure what to do because I'm not here to just answer the question or tell you what to do. So you know what? If all else fails, if you forget everything I said and everything I did, just humble yourself and serve someone and go from there. You'll figure it out. And then in week two, he says, hey, people are going to wonder, is this legit, right? Were you really with me? You really my follower? Do you really belong to me? And you know what? One item list. They're going to know by the way you love each other. Within my family, within the body of Christ, one item list. Love each other. And then the next week, he said, hey, I'm going to be gone, and people are going to start fitting in some lies, and they're going to twist what I said and twist what you said and, and, and just bring them back to this one item list. There's only one way, only one source of truth, only one source of life, and it's me, Jesus says. A lot of one item lists, and it's the same thing here. He says, you want to experience all there is to experience in this life. There's a lot of things that we would put on the list, and he gives us a one item list. Remain in him. Stay connected to him. Remain in his love. Seek first my kingdom, and all the healthy lemons you can ask for will be added to you as well. Your pursuit of Jesus should be an immersive, relational experience. Your pursuit of Jesus should be an immersive, relational experience. Not a toe in the water, not sitting on the edge with a cold glass, immersion, all in. Now, this relationship certainly evolves over time, right? Any relationship, you got the introductory stage, you do some dating, right? Maybe there's some, some uncertainty and some butterflies that go with that, some, some excitement with the newness of this thing, but then it evolves, right? You come to the point where like, hey, this is it, I'm in. This, I, I'm all in on this relationship. And now there's confidence and a sense of resolve. Your, your, your future plans start to evolve to match the newfound reality in your life. All, all the present and future stuff changes to shift what you're trying to accomplish in the relationship. And then you into, enter into that long season of lifelong nurturing. You still have moments of adrenaline, yeah, but we're talking about long-term resiliency and consistency 
meaningful conversations, daily check-ins, updates, right? You've got some expressions of love in there. You're, You're transparent with your feelings, learning some new things about them on purpose, maybe learning some new things on accident just as life comes and goes. You're running to them in moments of great need and pain and sorrow and loss, and you're running to them in moments of triumph and accomplishment, happiness and celebration. But no matter what happens throughout the day, at the end of the day, you both end up together. Obviously, I'm not just talking about your spouse, not just talking about your best friend. But this truth today is why so many people are no different in faith than they were as kids. It's why so many people are no different in faith than they were as a teenager when they were going to youth group every week and they experienced Jesus in a new, exciting way, and then they stopped. They got disconnected. That's why so many people are no different in faith than they were 10 or 20 years ago. Maybe you dipped your toe in the water. You believe, right? You're going to heaven, but you're satisfied with business as usual here on earth. Maybe at some point you were all in, but now you're just kind of content to chill on the edge, and when things get crazy, you just numb out on something strong. Maybe some of us are satisfied being a dead flower from our ninth grade homecoming corsage. You know, the one, the one you hung upside down for a while and sprayed some hairspray. Somebody told you it would last and it would, it would always look the same. And, you know, or maybe like the, the piece of cake that you saved from your, from your wedding 10, 20 years ago. Memory of something great, but honestly, just kind of gross. <laughs> right? I think some of us are satisfied with that type of experience with Jesus, even though. He's called us to more, even though he offers us more. We have to stay connected to the vine, to the tree. So how do we do it different? How do we experience something more than that? Well, I'd start in Proverbs 3, 6. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Or it could be read, he will direct your path. That word, acknowledge, That Hebrew word has two sides. It means to know and to make known. To know and to make known. In all your ways, know him and make him known, and he will make your path straight. He will direct your path. Do you know him? Do you know him? The illustration of the vine that Jesus uses comes out in a couple other spots in the New Testament where Paul is talking. He describes it, uh, and, and I don't understand the science behind it fully, but if you do some research, you can actually take a branch from one vine and fasten it to a different vineyard, a branch from one vine, attach it to another vine, and if it's cared for properly, that new branch will grow to be part of that new vine as if it had always been there. That's coming to know Jesus, right? It's this beautiful picture of adoption into the family of Christ. Do you know him? And if you know him, are you making him known? Are you proclaiming his truth and his gospel using words and actions throughout your days? That's the place to start. In all your ways, know him and make him known. And he will make your path straight. He will be the one guiding you. You will stay connected with him as you make decisions and have conversations and move through the seasons of life. It's constant pursuit of him, constant pursuit of who he is, what he's about, his creation, his mission, his long-term plan, your place in that plan. 
constant pursuit of him. So what does that pursuit look like? Well, there's no magic formula. There's no exciting thing to drop on you today. It's the basics. Spiritual habits, spiritual rhythms, right? It's regular time absorbing the word from whatever source, from whatever medium, right? It might be reading it on a regular basis. It might be hearing it preached, listening to a podcast that's based on God's word. Whatever that is, absorbing his word on a regular basis. It's regular time in the two-way conversation that we call prayer. Certainly us talking to him, but then giving ourselves space, silence and solitude to let him speak back into our lives. It's regular time spent serving and doing life with those who are on the same journey. Back in the day, we call it fellowship. Right? Maybe someday we'll add a wing and call it a fellowship hall for those of you who grew up in church world. Regular time spent on that, on that journey with other people, doing life together, serving together. Regular times of worship. Worship sets your heart right. right? You start worshiping, all of a sudden, you're acknowledging, it's not about me. I am not the king. I am not in charge. It's not about me trying to stay connected to Jesus, trying to stay connected to the tree. Regular times in worship. Times of rest. Do you have a Sabbath? Do you have a day during the week where you don't have to do anything? No stress, no work, don't have to put out fires. Do you have a Sabbath? Or are you go, 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 go? You are not created for go, 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 go. You're created for rest. Now, some of you, you're, you can maybe check all those boxes. You're like, yeah, I've done all, I've done all that. I've done all, that. all right, well, then the next level then that Jesus always does with his followers, when they're, when they're checking off the list, he calls them to another level of sacrifice. It's another level. Like the rich young ruler. He said, hey, Jesus, what do I got to do? And Jesus gave him a short list. He said, hey, I'm, I'm good there. I've been doing that my whole life. All right, sell everything and come follow me. Another level of sacrifice. So if you hit some of those spiritual basics, He's going to stretch you and ask you to sacrifice in some way. This is connection to Jesus. This is staying connected to the vine. It's not some big, magical, bright star in the sky. It's simply doing the basics of any relationship and staying connected with him. So how do you know you're connected? How do you know that you're investing properly? How do you know that you're experiencing the relationship you're supposed to experience? Well, we find that in Galatians chapter 5. The fruits of the Spirit. The evidence of of relationship with Jesus, the evidence of staying connected to the vine, Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you're looking for a list, go home with this list and start looking at your last few weeks. Does my life exude love? My experiencing joy? Do I experience peace when those around me are in chaos? Am I patient? Is anybody patient in 2022? I don't know. Am I patient? Am I kind? Is that my first response to life? Am I good? Am I faithful? Am I gentle? Do I have self-control? Does anybody have self-control in 2022? This is your list. If you struggle with the one-item list, take this list home. And if you're struggling with any of these things, come back to the one-item list. You have to stay connected to the vine. The band's going to come and, and lead us through another couple songs. And just want to, just given the nature of this particular topic today, I thought it might be good to give ourselves a chance to go back to that upper room moment where Jesus introduced this idea of communion, this idea of the Lord's Supper, where it's a, t- it's a chance to reflect to go back to that first conversation, go back to that first moment, go back to the relationship. Say, all right, how's, how am I looking on that list of fruits? 
right? Am, am I bearing fruit that comes with following Jesus, or am I bearing a different kind of fruit that comes with being disconnected? And so as they sing this next song, it's called Do It Again, and, and I think communion, if nothing else, is a great reminder of where maybe we used to be with Jesus, right? Something we used to experience. I love when we do baptism because baptism is one of those points in life, one of those next steps spiritually that you can always come back to. And no matter what kind of struggles you're experiencing, no matter what kind of season you've been in, you can say, man, you know what? In that moment, I was all in. I was obedient. I was following. I was connected to Jesus. I can get back there. I can experience that again. God can do in you again what he has done before. He hasn't left you. He hasn't thrown you into the fire you just got to get reconnected with the vine. Got to get reconnected with Jesus. And so as the band does this song, is Jason coming? Oh, there's, he's back there, just making sure. <laughs> Try not to kill the moment here. You've got the elements. I'll be back up in a couple minutes to lead us through them. But just take these few minutes and sing along with the band, but sing this song as a prayer. Say, God, I've seen you move. I've seen you work in my life. I've seen miracles. I've seen answered prayer. I've seen change. And I want to see it again. Do it again, God. Work in my life again. Take these few moments, and I'll be back up in a couple. You guys can have a seat real quick. Just a couple things I want to throw at you, uh, because sometimes you just need a little bit of a kickstart, right? Just just something uh, to help you kind of get from step one to step two, maybe. So a couple things I'd love to recommend. First is a devotional called 40 Days of Faith, by a pastor author named Paul David Tripp. Read anything you can get your hands on from him. Just fantastic. Just, if you're just looking for a way to get started in some type of a regular daily routine in, in connecting with Jesus, this is a great option. Uh, we have a bunch available. Uh, we've got 10 back on the info center table right now if you want to take one on your way out. If they run out and you need us to get you one, we will. Otherwise, you can find them on Amazon. Actually, Joe, will you make sure there's still a pile back there there's more in the drawer if, if a bunch of people from the first service took them. They're jerks uh, from that first service. <laughs> I was like, leave some for second service. And they're like, no, why would we do that? So 40 Days of Faith, great option. Another one is a full book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Just finished this a couple weeks ago. Fantastic. If you find yourself in a season or a mode of life where it's just go, 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 please hear me. You were not designed to go, 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 go. You were designed for rest. You were designed for a pace of life that's different than what the United States typically models for people. So if you find yourself there, strongly encourage the ruthless elimination of hurry. You can find that on Amazon, of course. Um, And then there's another book that we have available called Start Here. If you find yourself kind of on the beginning end of a journey with Jesus... It's a great little book, just kind of talks through what it looks like to follow Jesus and be his disciple and all those kinds of things. There's a couple available on the info center table, and we replenish those ones all the time. So if those disappear, we'll throw more out. So grab one. If there's not one there today, check back next week, and they'll be there. It's called Start Here. Um, Now, in addition to book-type stuff, we have um, a special eight-week elective that we're going to be offering starting in a couple weeks called Listen. And this will be going through a resource uh, from some of our friends at an organization called SeekWell. We're going to be doing this on Zoom starting Wednesday, February 23. And it's basically going through, what does it look like to actually hear God's voice, right? We, we talk to him and we share ourselves with him, which we should. But how do we actually experience that two-way conversation where God speaks back into our lives and connects us, connects our heart with his heart? So that's going to be starting. If you're interested in that, 
All the usual ways, throw your name on a connection card and let us know, email us, or you can go to fieldstonechurch.org slash growth track, fieldstonechurch.org slash growth track, and you can sign up for that elective, uh, again, starting Wednesday night, uh, February 23 on Zoom, and we'll get you whatever information you need. And then finally, March 20 is what we're targeting for our next Baptism Sunday, and so if you find yourself in that season where, hey, I'm... I'm a believer, I'm, I'm, I've given my heart to Jesus, but I've never taken that step to go completely public with my faith and say, hey, I'm all in, I want to love Jesus, I want to live for him. We'd love to talk with you about what it looks like to get baptized. You or someone that you love, going to be doing that on March 20, that Sunday morning. So uh, band's got one more for us to kind of close things out. We'll end with a little bit more energy. But guys, there are, whatever we came in with, whatever we're going out with, there are people in this room trying to figure out marriage. There are people in this room trying to figure out how to live and work and follow Jesus. People in this room trying to figure out how to interact with their neighbor or just be nice to their friend at school. I don't care what you're trying to accomplish. Don't try checking that box unless you're staying connected to Jesus first. He is the source. He's the way. He's the only way it's going to happen. You have to get connected with Jesus in a relationship with him. It's the only way it's going to happen. Why don't you stand with us again and we'll close it out.